0: And I feel like if you have to climb Mount Everest and fast and pray there for 40 days and 40 nights, then you'll be saved. I feel like we'll believe it more. I feel like it'll be easier to accept because there was hard work to it. But this gospel needs no hard work. This gospel is hinged on the finished work of Christ. average jesus kid podcast if this is your first time tuning in so happy to have you thank you so much for tuning in today and if you're returning list now welcome back or probably i should be welcoming myself back uh, but yeah welcome back into uh, this space i hope that you are safe um we're living in very unsettling times and there hasn't been any you know last if there, were, there was ever a time that we Days, it's definitely now um, because everything that the Bible prophesied will happen is happening right now. So, I hope you're safe um, wherever you are. Um, So, yeah, um, I'm not going to give you a whole like, I'm sorry for being away Mm -mm. Um, because I've just realized that I think most likely it's I two things okay, Um, one is that I've noticed. Um, that I do have commitment issues like the moment I like commit to oh I tell myself oh I want to do this or like I feel like the last episode I talked about oh we're going to do a whole YouTube series on like the gospel and like talk about all of those things and the moment I just say that or like put it out there or like someone else is like witness to that it's like I just want to back out I just want to you know what don't worry about it you know what let's just scrap it and forget about it You know, I've noticed that and I feel like the first has been showing me like this like you have to sit down if you say, you know, you're going to do this thing, actually do it. And so this is me actually doing it right. I was about to like you you just be like, you know what? Um I will just do this next week. But I've noticed that first of all there's no time. We're redeeming the time. Um the days indeed are evil and we have to redeem the time and um I don't even know if I have next week that is even it's prideful even to think that I have next week so that I could do this so anyways that's all a side note I guess um but yeah we're doing this and um this episode I think you know if there's any episode that I would ever encourage you to share with people um especially in these times and um, this is the one um, because this is in this episode we're going to to what the gospel is. Um, this is the call of the Christian faith, you know, if we even call it faith, like faith in what? What are we actually believing in? And that is the gospel, right? And so that is literally what we're going to be talking about today. So I do encourage you, um, share this with someone um maybe right now or after you finish listening Um because I think it's like really important. of um, this particular episode is so, so important. Um, so yes, um let's just get right into it. Okay, so I can bet anything that you probably heard someone say Jesus loves you or God loves you. Jesus died on the cross for you, especially maybe like during Easter or during Christmas, you hear those phrases often. And maybe you haven't actually understood how weighty those statements are or maybe you just don't know, right, you don't understand what exactly the gospel is, or you maybe never heard it presented to you, because I know that, you know, in last episode, we talked about how John three sixteen is the summary of the gospel, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And I know for a fact that I resetted that verse all my life i knew it if there's one verse of scripture that i could say that i knew ever since i can't even remember where i learned that from um but i knew it for a long time but i still didn't understand it or maybe you know i didn't really have anyone that would explain to me right why it was necessary like why did jesus have to come and die like what exactly was the reason because I certainly didn't go to heaven to beg him so why did he of his own will of his own you know measure come down to earth to save me and what is the implication of his death what does that mean for me so that's all we're going to talk about today and I've learned that we can't exactly present the gospel you know and go in depth into it without actually starting from the scratch you know from creation from where it all began literally the genesis of it all and so we're going to start from there so you probably heard this story titled um the fall of man and so i know that you know the story so i would not bore you with it so i'm just going to summarize it really quickly so God creates heaven and earth right six days you know he creates man last because you know we've talked about this like man is a star creation he took time there was intentionality there was you know purpose to it and all of those good things right so he creates man and then he says it's not good for man to be alone so he creates a woman right out of the man's ribs and that, you know in its own it's very significant that God did not start from scratch again to create woman he took out of the ribs of man so just hold that thought in a second it will all make sense you know in a while so yes so God creates Eve right and he plants a whole garden for them now this is also something I want you to know that Eden was not the entirety of earth Eden was not um the whole of the creation God created everything then after he created man he now created you know a garden he planted a whole garden just for man's enjoyment just for man to take care of it and watch over it right so just understand that God is really the author of enjoyment like the initial plan was for you to enjoy for us to enjoy right in the garden of Eden with all sorts of beautiful fruits and trees and landscapes like just imagine you know based on what we have on earth right now the beautiful you know sights we have on earth just imagine how beautiful eden must have been for him to create a special garden you know that that was truly special right so he creates a garden you know places them there and then he gives adam this one instruction that you can eat of any fruit in this garden anything you want but of this one in the middle you must not eat Because the day you eat it, you will surely die. And he was like, sure, bet. Like, deal. Right? I think... Okay. Side note. I think um, younger me, and when I say younger me, I mean like a year or two ago, I've probably entertained this thought, like, why did God create that tree? Like, why did God even... Like, he should have, you know, not created that tree and all of this wouldn't have happened. And first of all, that's a very prideful and entitled statement to make. And um, if you ever have made that statement, yeah, that's that's incredibly prideful. And I will show you how. First of all, um, he's God. He has every right to create whatever he wants to do. And secondly, can't you see how entitled it is to say that God has no rights to create a tree for himself? Like, he created thousands of trees, but he only puts a censorship on one. He only keeps one for himself. He only says, don't eat of this one. You have many other options. More beautiful. You know, even from the start, if you are really, you know, look into scripture and you read it, like, word for word sometimes, you see that it was until the serpent poisoned um Eve's mind with this thought that it's you know good to make you wise and you know you'll be like God that's when her perception of the fruit changed it was just basic there was not it was not like it was shining made of gold and it was like oh it was actually kind of enticing and God was like trying to lure them into sin no it was none of that it was a basic tree I think we even had this idea that it was like red and green apple half red half green to signify good and evil well i don't know that 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 was true um but all i know is that it was a tree basic tree and it wasn't until the serpent poisoned her mind and we see that in verse verse 6 of genesis 3 and she said it says the woman was convinced she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. So that's just telling you that, first of all, that small seed of doubt changed her perception. It skewed her vision, skewed everything. So that's also, you know, a side note. And then another thing about that, you know, saying that why did God create, it, um, you know, that tree in the first place is that you never truly know that someone would choose you if you don't present them with options and so man had no choice you know but to serve god then they had no choice there were no other options right but now there's an option now there's an option satisfy your flesh oh you can be like god too you do you will not need this god you will be god yourself now there's an option And that is the true test. That is when we know who you are really for, what you're really serving, when you're presented with options. And all that is just some deep theology that maybe we might get into some other day, but that's just a side note. If you ever have that um, line of thought, like why would God create a tree for, like that is entitled and that is prideful. So stop it, just stop it. You know, he has every right, if he wanted to create 20 trees that he doesn't want them to touch, He has every right because he is God. So anyways, um, let's get back into, you know, where we're talking about. So Eve eats of the tree, right? And she gives it to her husband, Adam, and Adam eats. And now they eat and suddenly they realize that they are naked. And their eyes were opened, you know, and then God is coming at the cool of the day, per usual, and he's like, Adam, where are you? And Adam's like, "Uh, okay, here's the deal. I heard you you coming and I ran to hide because I am naked. And then God's like, hold up, who told you that? Like, I never told you you were naked. Like, where did you get that information? Did you eat of the tree I asked you not to eat of? And he's like, oh, it was Eve. And we know how the story goes, right? And then right there, two things I want to point out that we would address later on. Um, or would make sense later on in this episode the first thing is when as soon as adam and eve sinned ate of that fruit their eyes were opened and they realized that they were naked what did they do we see that in verse seven of chapter three it says at that moment their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness so they sewed few fig leaves together to cover themselves um right there and then that was works So now you realize that you have sinned instead of coming to God, right? Instead of, you know, God, we're so sorry. We did this thing you asked us not to do. We're so sorry about it. They now try to work. They try to cover themselves. Perhaps God wouldn't notice. And that is just what we're just going to leave it on at words. And if you fast forward in, I think it was chapter four, you know, we see what God did. He, God Use animal skins to cover them up. And so he rubbished whatever it was that he thought they were doing with leaves. And an animal died because you can't have animal skins without the death of an animal, right? So there was some bloodshed and God, you know, used that to atone for their sins and cover them up with the animal skins. So now we'll hold that thought, right? So now what exactly is sin? before we can even go further and I think the easiest definition of sin is just missing the mark missing God's mark missing God's standard falling short of the standard of God that is the easiest definition of sin it's not about what you think is good it's not about what you think is good or bad it's about what God thinks it's about what God says is good and so if he says this thing is sin it is sin if he has set his standard, that this is the standard, then whatever you do that is below that is sin. And so when the Bible says in, um, I think it's Romans 6, actually I lied, <laughs> it's Romans 3, 23, and it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know that that just simply means that all have fallen, come short of God's standard. God's standard is way up here and everyone, you know, in one way or the other, as falling short of that, right, okay, so now from the very first man, you know, from what they did, what happened in the garden, we see that sin has consequences, because God instructed Adam, and he told him that the moment you eat it, you will surely die, he has told you there will be punishment for sin, and the punishment for sin is death, The Bible says the wages of sin is death in Romans 6. I think it's verse 23 as well, where it says the wages of for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So understand that if sin was your work, your wage has to be death. And so. By basic, by basic you know, substitution, and we just do basic math, right? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And now the wages of sin is death. That means by default, all have sinned. And all is going to die. Everyone is doomed to die. And maybe you are still there thinking like, um okay, I don't know why God is punishing all of us for Adam's sin. Like, it was Adam that sinned. It wasn't me that ate the fruit. So, because I, you may or may not have ever heard of, like, an inherent sinful nature, the Adamic nature of sin in you. Well, I'll clarify that in a little second. Um, so, understand that Adam was never a name. God never named Adam. He did not say, um, your name will be called Adam. You know, with Jesus, the angels came with prophecies. His name will be called emmanuel god with us his name will be called jesus there were prophecies to his name but adam was not giving a name adam simply meant human mankind so understand that in god's eyes when adam sinned all have sinned and if you even want to even argue it well okay even if we take out adam's sin from the equation you probably can count a couple things that you've done wrong and falling short of God's standard. So all have sinned. That is not up for debate. And God is a just God. I think it's also very important in talking about the gospel to emphasize the justice of God. Yes, we know that God is a loving God. You know, even that verse says, God so loved the world. He gave his son. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. And so, as a just God... You cannot look at sin and close your eyes and say, I don't see it. If I don't see it, it's not real. No, he loses his credibility. And the moment he stops being just is the moment he stops being God. The moment he stops being holy is the moment he stops being God. Because what differentiates him from us? If God can be sinful. then why do we worship him why do we serve him why do we you know praise him because what's the difference between me and you i just thought about that audio like that's the difference between me and you when you're sitting around doing anyways (laughs) anyways so understanding that god is a holy god god is a just god and he must punish sin and it's said that the punishment for sin is death so now we're all in big trouble literally all of mankind is doomed because now sin is in the world and the wages of sin is death and we are going to surely i love that statement that god used you will surely die like it's no debate about it death must come as a result of sin that is not even up for question whether or not you know entertain the lie whether or not hell is real god has said it himself and this was not just talking about physical death yes he brought physical death But it's talking about eternal death. The price for sin must be paid. It must be fulfilled. Right? And so now we see that we're all in big trouble. Sin must be paid. We're all going to die. And so what do you do usually when you're in trouble? You figure out a way out, right? And that was what we did. We start to think about how we can get right with God. AKA works. You try to work your way to God's heart. That's what, you know, I pointed that out a couple minutes ago. That's what Adam had this bright idea. Okay, let's sew some leaves together and cover our sinfulness. Maybe distract God long enough and he wouldn't notice. Isn't that what we try to do? Um, It's so interesting that even in creation, we can see ourselves in that. In what Adam did. But then you now come to a scripture like Isaiah 64 verse 6. Where it says. All our righteousness are like filthy rags before you. So aka all your good works. Your best of works. Is still a filthy rag. Pastor Aaron makes this analogy that I think is just so interesting. And he says. You you know as a dead man doing good works is like a well-dressed corpse you are still like you are you are dead you are going to die and you are dressing yourself up trying to distract god using fig leaves to cover your sinfulness of course you know that's not going to work so now we're back to square zero we're back to where we started our righteousness is fruitless and we're still going to die And so where is God in all of this? Like, what did God do? Did God just sit in heaven and just be like, good riddance to bad rubbish? Because he could afford to do that because he's a just God, right? It's the just thing to do. Whether or not you accept it, whether or not it is difficult for you to understand. I just pray that somehow the Holy Spirit softens your heart. And helps you see that. That's just it. All have sinned. All must die. There is no argument. There is no room even to entertain these arguments. And so what did God do? He sent his son. He came down in the pressing of Jesus. To pay the price for our sins. And now that might not mean much to you. But if you understand. That everyone by default. Because all have sinned. Eternal death awaits you. It's only just a matter of time. And so God intervenes. God steps into the scene. In the form of Jesus. That's where John 3.16 comes into play. God so loved the world. Now he saw that the world is destined to die. And moved in love. Out of his love for us. He gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him. Should not perish but have eternal life. So just picture this courtroom scene right. You are the guilty person. The judge doesn't need to give evidence. He doesn't need evidence to convict you as guilty because you are guilty. You yourself, you know that you're guilty. Right? And so he tells you, well, based on what I have here, you sinned. And the price for sin is life imprisonment. Eternity in hell. And then... He steps down and he says, but I will pay the price for you. And that is salvation. And I love the verse in Romans 3, 25 to 26. And I'm just going to read that really quickly as we unpack it. And so it says, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. Verse 26, the most important, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So that is that courtroom scene again. He is both just because sin is being paid, paid for. That death is going to happen. But now he is the one that also pays the price. And so I love this statement that Pastor Aaron once made. And he said, the only thing you bring to the table of salvation is the sin that made it necessary. That was all you did. That was all we did. All we did was sinned, created a problem. And so now his wrath is satisfied in Jesus. And you are justified. You are set free. And so now let's put that aside or just keep that at the back of your mind now. And let's just come back, right? We read the Old Testament and we read of the sacrifices. You know, Moses went to the mountain, got these laws from God. And read of all of these sacrifices. Like for this sin, there was a particular sin offering. And there was just a lot of bloodshed. You know, animals were dying over and over again. But then it wouldn't make sense if you haven't read Hebrews 9, 22, where it says, For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. There is no remission of sin. So first of all, works are just thrown in the trash because if there's no shedding of blood, your forgiveness is not setting. So you working is just fruitless because there is no shedding of blood. There must be bloodshed. Something has to die. And so understanding the gospel, understanding the importance of Christ coming down to us gives the old testament so so much perspective. Because now you're seeing that it was just all a foreshadowing of what was to come. Because if you read through um you know Ed- Exodus, Leviticus, if you read through you will see that it had to be a lamb without blemish, a lamb without spot. Sinless, that's what it signifies. A clean lamb. Because that was what Jesus was going to be. John had this revelation, John the Baptist, and he said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So all of that was just a foreshadowing Because if you think that, okay, those were even good enough, then why did they have to do it? And I feel like this is what Hebrews really just stresses. Why did they have to do it every year? It was periodical. That's to show you, that's because God is trying to show them that it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. It's impossible. It was just like putting a bandage on an open wound. You know that's not going to work, but just temporarily, right? Just stop the bleeding for now. While, you know, the plan of God that has been set in place before the foundation of the world, while the plan unfolds. It's a bandage to an open wound. It wasn't in any way, you know, God was not pleased with it. We read in the Bible where Jesus says, For the sacrifices of bulls and goats you are not pleased with, but you have given me a body, So all of that, if he even wanted to continue that tradition, first of all, there would not even be animals enough for this world because we do be doing whatever we like. We're knowing that it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. So we see that from the onset of creation, from the very first man, a lamb died. How do we know that? Well, there were sheepskins. God used animal skins to cover them and you don't just manufacture animal skins god is not a magician something died so he was just showing you how we are redeemed how we are forgiving how we are saved and so the entire of the old testament when we hear of abraham god telling him to sacrifice his son you now see that it wasn't just a test of faith yes it was testing his faith but it was also a picture of what was going to happen. Because that was Abraham's only begotten son, right? Well, God was also going to do the same thing. And we see right there that Isaac was going to die. But God sent a lamb in his place. That substitution. He has been showing us. You know, that you will touch a lamb and all your sins are transferred to that lamb and that lamb dies. And we look at Passover which is one of the biggest ones. And first of all, we see that it wasn't about anything they did. The instruction was kill a lamb, spotless, you know, a lamb that, a young lamb that is clean, that is spotless, that, you know, without blemish, and put the blood on your windows and doorposts. And when the angel of death comes, he will pass over you. When he sees the blood, he will pass over, hence the name. And so I want you to understand that if an Egyptian got that information and did that, the angel of death would have also passed over because it was never about what they had done. It was never about their works. It was just the blood. So I hope these things are starting to make sense to you. That without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And it was not just the shedding of the bloods of animals because God was not pleased with that. It's impossible for that to take away sin. So even if we had continued that, we are still doomed to die because that hasn't taken away our sin. So now let's talk about the incarnation for a little bit. Right? Because we know that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. So how did he send his son? Well, we see it from creation. We see that all of us have this inherent Adamic quote unquote nature, right? Well The first demarcation is that Jesus never had that. He was conceived of a virgin. So that sinful impute was not part of him. Because the Bible says in John 1, in Matthew 1 or 2, the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will bear a child. And that was how it happened. There was no human addition to it. So he was not born with that sinful nature. Wow, glory to God. That was the first sign. Because he has to be without sin. And so the Bible tells us that he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. Because a high priest, you know, I I really love the book of Hebrews, where he contrasts what the high priests on earth were doing then. That they had to pay atonement for their own sins. But glory be to God. Because our great high priest, our high priest, had no sin. I think I just want to read that from Hebrews. And so Hebrews 9 from verse 11 says, So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and cows, he entered the most holy place, once for all time, and secured our redemption forever. And then verse 13 says, Under the old system, the blood of goats and the bulls and the ashes of Haifa could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Then verse 14 now says, just think of how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for sin. That is just so amazing. If you understand this, I think Hebrews 9 is an essential read. 9 and 10, I would say. It is so amazing. And so because the wages of sin is death, someone had to die. So God comes down and he dies. And that's why the road to the cross gains perspective now. Because we see Jesus saying, if there's any way, God, let this call pass over me. I find it interesting that Jesus knew from the onset how he was going to die. He knew everything. He talked about it the most in detail what was going to happen, how he was going to be arrested, how he was going to be betrayed. He knew all of these things. And so when it was finally going to happen, like we're just talking hours away or minutes away, and he's like, God, if there's any other way. So understand that there was no other way. No other way that salvation could come to man. Except he died. He said, nonetheless, not my will, but yours be done. Just picture how much agony and suffering Jesus was about to go through. Because if you think about the wrath of God towards sin, that's the entire eternity, eternal death concentrated in three hours. Just imagine how much agony he was going to go through. But he knows that there is no other way. That's why Jesus can boldly make the statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no man, nothing you can do. Nobody. And just know that before Jesus, no one had been to heaven. That's matter for another day. But no man, he said, can go to the Father except through me. Because if it was possible for us to attain salvation, why did Jesus come? If it was possible for us to work our way, why did Jesus come? Why did he waste his sweet time? Why did he have to suffer all those things? You need to know first that it wasn't possible. There's no other way. He's the only way, the only truth, the only life. There's no life outside of him. There's no eternal life outside of Jesus. If you take Jesus out of the equation, we're back to where we started. Eternal death. Okay, let's bring this one home, right? Because we talked about how Jesus died for our sins, but it means nothing if Jesus died for our sins and he did not resurrect. So it's very important to know that as important as it was that Jesus died for our sins, as important as it was, you know, that there needs to be a shedding of blood for the remission of sins, our salvation is not complete if he did not resurrect, if he did not conquer death. Because if it was just that he died, then our faith is futile. And I'll prove that to you from scripture. So we're going to read reading from 1 Corinthians 15. And I'm just going to give a little bit of backstory, right? So Paul was addressing um, a set of people in the Corinthian church that didn't believe in the resurrection, right? And he's literally just saying that if you say there's no resurrection from the dead, that means that Christ did not resurrect. And if Christ did not resurrect, then our faith is useless. Our faith is meaningless because we're still dead in our sins. We're still going to die in our sins. We're still, you know, he hasn't conquered sin, right? There has to be, you know, he has to be raised up sinless, you know, because, you know, he bore our sins. You know, the Bible says, surely he has borne our iniquities. He has carried our sorrows. But it means nothing if you just bore the sins and died, in it? No, he had to resurrect. And he did. Glory to God. So we're reading from 1 Corinthians 15 um, from verse, I guess I'll read from verse 12. And Paul is speaking here and he says, But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and our faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. Then verse 18 says, in that case, all who have died believing Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, then we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. That is just interesting. Verse 20, he now says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. And the final verse we'll be reading is 21. And it says, so you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Glory to God. Wait, I read verse 22. That is also so powerful. And it says, just as everyone dies because all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. That is so powerful. It's so beautiful. And this episode is already like crazily long. Um, But the summary here is that Paul is just stressing that if you don't believe that Jesus resurrected from the dead, then you are still in your sins. You're still guilty of your sins. You're still going to pay for your sins because... It's incomplete that you believe that he died and he did not resurrect. The full gospel is believing, is faith in the fact that Jesus died and rose again the third day for your sins. And now we are raised with him. And that is what Paul is stressing here. That since as surely as Christ was raised from the dead, that's how sure our resurrection is. We are going to be raised in new life so you can sit down and you know i feel like ignorantly sometimes we just keep complaining about you know if only eve did not eat the fruit and all of those things we will not be where we are today or you can fix your gaze and see that okay fine eve messed up but look at what god has done Nathaniel Bassi's song, just i feel like displaying it here see what the lord has done He has created a new mankind. And that's why Jesus is popularly, you know, and sometimes in scripture, he's referred to as the second Adam. Because, you know, at first we talked about how Adam means mankind, right? So now God created a new Adam, a new mankind. And that's what verse... 21 and 22 explains here it says just as everyone dies because all belong to adam everyone who belongs to this new adam this christ will be given new life as surely as that is as surely as death came into the world by adam's sin a new man came into the world and now we will never know death the only thing in our future now is life glory to god And so how exactly now are we saved, right? Because we've talked about how Jesus died for our sins and he was resurrected on the third day, but there might be someone listening and I kid you not, God is super, super intentional about the little details that it couldn't have been by accident that you would play this today and be listening even up until this point, even with all my rambling, right? I just believe that it's on intention and the Holy Spirit brought you here. And so if you're wondering, okay, how exactly are we saved? I don't think that I'm saved or I've never heard the gospel before. The answer is in Ephesians 2, nine, and it says, we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. God intentionally made it this way, that is through faith in Jesus and not just believing that, oh, Jesus exists. No, believing that he died And he was resurrected to new life for your sins. And you see, it wasn't just that Jesus died for your sins. It was that you died with him. So understanding that on the cross, it wasn't just you. It was all of us who would ever believe in Christ. We've all paid on the cross. It was all paid for. All our sins were paid for on the cross with Christ. And this is Romans 6, and it says, For we died and were buried with Christ, from verse 4, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, and we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. He didn't just, he didn't die alone. We died with him. And that's so powerful. Understanding that because you died with him, you will be raised because he was raised from the dead. As surely as Jesus resurrected from the dead, that is how sure you can be of your salvation. Sure you can be that you are going to be raised on that day. And... We're going to do a whole other episode on the assurance of salvation because I know that's also a really big one. But I want you to know that you can be sure of it. It's possible to be sure that you're saved. I mean, this is God's plan. That we will be confident in it. But just in case there's someone listening that isn't saved or has never heard the gospel before, maybe this is your first time. I'm going to read a scripture in a second and... I just want you to truly just take it in, maybe go back and read those that scripture and do what it says and you will be saved. It's that simple. You don't need to climb a mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. You know, that's how Moses got the law, right? And I feel like if that was the requirement, like you have to climb Mount Everest and fast and pray there for 40 days and 40 nights, then you'll be saved. I feel like we'll believe it more. I feel like it will be easier to accept because there was hard work to it. But this gospel needs no hard work. This gospel is hinged on the finished work of Christ. So now when you read the Bible and you see that Jesus on the cross says it is finished, you now understand that he wasn't talking about pain and suffering and tears yes he conquered those two yes at the end there will be no more tears there'll be no more pain no more suffering but what he was talking about there is the finished work the wrath of god has finally been satisfied fully in christ and now he can afford to say that whosoever believes in me whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Whosoever eats this bread will never die again. He can afford to say that because he paid the price. And so if it was that you believe in Jesus according to how scripture asks us to, if it was possible that we would believe in Jesus and then we would still face and pay that price then christ died for nothing but because the wrath of god is satisfied once for all a perfect sacrifice glory to god so i hope you're seeing now that it's prideful to think that you can supplement salvation with your good works it's prideful because jesus's work is perfect he paid it all. You know, the hymn says, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. That is the gospel. That is why it is good news. Salvation by works, it's not good news. It's not even news at all. It should be the normal thing. And that's why I intentionally started this quote-unquote series even though it took me like a month to come back um that's why i started we're talking about the power of god and how it doesn't make sense because romans one sixteen says i am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of god unto salvation for everyone who believes in first corinthians 1 and 2 paul was talking about it and he says he pleased god through the simplicity of the gospel To save everyone who believes. It pleased God. This was God's work. If you feel like, you know, it seems too easy. Well, that was the point. Because now to the Greeks, to the Gentiles, it's like, it seems seems foolish for someone to say that, excuse me. And to the Jews, they want a sign. They want, you know, they want the miraculous sign. They're always looking for signs. And for us, we want it to make sense. We're trying to make sense of it. And it doesn't make sense. And you're reading in the Bible now that it pleased God not to make it make sense. Because it's the power of God. He can afford to save everyone who believes. Because Christ paid it all. You were a debtor. He paid all the debts. Clean slate. This is the gospel that we preach, friends. This is the gospel. It's the power of God. It's not just about a free to get away from hell. It is the power of God. And I feel like we need to put more emphasis on the power of God than we even do on the power of hell, on the power of sin because this is what the gospel is about God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him it doesn't matter what you've done it doesn't matter how deep in sin you've gone it doesn't matter how far like the prodigal son the moment you believe he's ready with open arms so i'm just going to read Romans 10 from verses 9 to 10 for the one who is not sure or the one who is not saved and if you want to accept this life of christ if you want to accept and believe today and you will be saved it's that easy that you don't need to even go to it doesn't have to be done in church it can be from your bedroom if you truly mean it deep in your heart the Holy Spirit will be a witness with your spirit and you will be saved. So Romans 10:9 to 10 says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Under version says, with the mouth, with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And the next verse says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. Accept that you are a sinner. You are in need of this Savior. Believe in your heart that he is Lord. That he died and he was raised from the dead for your sins and you will be saved it's that simple it's that easy amen heavenly father i just want to thank you thank you for your infinite wisdom thank you because you are all powerful thank you because your ways indeed are higher than our ways thank you for your brilliant plan of salvation Thank you, Jesus, for what you did 2,000 years ago. Thank you because it was a once-and-for-all sacrifice. It doesn't need to be updated. You don't need to renew your subscription. Thank you for paying the price for our sins. Thank you for bringing us back into right relationship with you. Thank you for the privilege to bear your name. Father, I pray for anyone right now who... Maybe you just said that prayer. Who wants to give their life to you? Father, I pray as they make this decision today to live for you, to give their lives to you and receive the life that you bought for them on the cross. Father, I pray that you keep them. I pray that you walk with them. Holy Spirit, I pray that you bear witness right now with their spirit that they are saved. I pray that you begin your work in them, the good work that you've prepared for us long ago. I pray that you help us to live out our days for you, just as you died for us. Help us not to frustrate grace, but help us to do the good works you've planned for us, not out of a place of wanting to get right with you. Help us to understand that we are already approved of. He says while we were yet sin as Christ died for us. While we were deep in sin. You saw our lostness and you came down and you died. To help us to accept the life that you bought for us. And live it out. And live for you. With no restrictions. Go all out in service for you. Help us to tell more people about this gospel. To the glory, honor, and praise of your name. Thank you for the work that you've started in us. Pray for the grace to work it out. I pray for the grace to work it out, to work out our salvation. And at the end, Lord, we pray that you take the glory from our lives. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. thank you so much for tuning in today guys i am so excited that you listened thus far i'm so grateful thank you for listening to me i hope that this was insightful to you i hope that this was reassuring um and if you just pray that prayer of salvation i hope that you're excited um i'm so excited for this new journey that you're embarking on feel free to message me um if you did um i'm i'll be so glad to rejoice with you um and just i guess pray with you or whatever you need i am always here for the most part (laughs) um i try okay guys i am trying um but yeah um feel free to reach out to me um if this blessed you or touched you in any way um and yes um what else do i have to say I guess that's it <laughs> um, okay, so until next time, I love you guys with the love of Christ oh wait, um please make sure you share this like don't be stingy, like you can please share this one if there's ever an episode you would ever share, please share, please rate us um I see your ratings, the kind words um rate us five stars please. <laughs> please rate us five stars on your preferred platform that also helps too it takes nothing you know as many times as you go especially on like apple Podcasts. i think as many times as you log on to listen you can always push that button as often as you can that will be super helpful thank you so much for everyone that has done that in the past and everyone that will continue to do so um i'm so so grateful for you guys you don't understand how you know so many of you like god really does use you like the holy spirit would literally you know sometimes when i'm just like discouraged and i'm like you know i'm losing it and then one person would just text me and just be like oh this episode was really encouraging to me and it's just a boost right and so i'm just really grateful for everyone that has done that um I'm so thankful for you. I'm thankful for what God is doing in us. Um, And yes, um, look at how I just wasted an extra two minutes of your time. Um, Okay, I'm done now. So yes, uh, without further ado, I love you with the love of Christ. Bye.